Welcome to the Small Business Leader Podcast. Hear from small business leaders that lead, innovate, inspire, build, and lift the global economy every day. Hosted by Jason Johnson, Chief Marlin of Marlin Consulting Solutions. Welcome to the Small Business Leader Podcast. Hear from small business leaders that lead, innovate, inspire, build, and lift the global economy every day. Today on this episode, I have the distinct pleasure of having my friend Andrew with me from Siski Productions. I've known Andrew for a couple of years. It's been so much fun getting to know Andrew and watching some of the really cool things they do. Siski Production focuses heavily on video and video elements in regards to businesses. So with that, Andrew, welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. It really is a great pleasure to be on your podcast. Excellent. So for our listeners here locally, and I have the pleasure of saying I have some internationally as well, wow. why don't you take a minute and tell everybody a little bit about your background, like how'd you get into doing what you're doing? Yeah. And like, where did Siski come from and why do you do video? That's a really great question. And I'll try and get to the short answer of it. <laughs> I've always loved storytelling. My parents joke with me that I used to get in trouble in kindergarten because I'd come home and I'd make up these stories about what happened during the day. And they'd be like, those are lies. I mean, they're really good told stories, Andrew, but it's lies. And so thankfully, the world of theater and imagination exists. And so I found a good place there. So I grew up doing theater, live performance, writing, directing, performing, did it all, went to university for that, graduated and was working professionally in the live theater world for a couple of years. I've always loved photography. My dad is a fantastic photographer. And so it was one of these moments of being like casting call came out for a short film. I got cast in it and I was so fascinated with what was happening behind the scenes that I probably did a pretty piss poor job in my role that I had in the film. I was so interested in what was going on that I'd be done. They'd yell cut and I'd be like, all right, let me hold the boom mic or let me hold these things. And that really began my love of film. And as I started doing that and a buddy of mine here in town who's a filmmaker, he and I started shooting commercials for local companies. And our first company was a horse ranch. And we charged like 150 bucks because we we're like, we don't know what we're doing. They didn't really care that much, I guess, because they paid us. They were horses, right? Yeah, they I mean, were so horses. The uh, horses didn't need a lot. Yeah, they didn't need a lot. They were easy to shoot and film. We didn't shoot any horses. <laughs> yes, it's important. Yes, this is a podcast. No animals were yeah, harmed. No animals in, harmed. In the filming of Andrew's first commercial, we'd like to just make that yeah. statement abundantly clear. And the moment I got involved and understood my love of photography translated so easily into where the tools and the technology was at that time, and this was early 2000s that we're talking, it was just a light bulb moment for me. And I really have never looked back. I love performing. I love theater. But like film is probably one of the last frontiers where anything you can imagine, you can make. There's still obviously budget and time, but you imagine it and you can make it. And that's fascinating to me. That's awesome. So just as a recap, I mean, for everybody. So you're a formerly trained and educated actor. Yeah. So that has to also be a huge benefit for you know your clients that you're in business with today, right? Because it's not like a hobbyist that is good with a drone yeah. or you know somebody who's been really creative with their iPhone camera and now they're charging. I mean, you've actually been formally educated in like the elements that make up professional video production. Yeah, I mean, I do think it adds value to our clients because you know when I first started in film, I was shooting these little commercials, but my primary target was 
the large narrative films. Narrative films being stuff that you'd see in theaters and like feature length films or or short films like that. And so, I mean, that was really where I was spending my time building the stories and writing and producing those things. And so when I did make that shift into business, and it was a natural shift to me because I'm insatiably curious about companies and people. I love talking with people. And so when I met with business owner and they were like, yeah, no one knows what we do, but the passion was just coming out of when they were talking about what they did. I was like, I need to get a camera on you because people hearing you, they're going to respond the way that I'm responding. And that really is where we started our process, our productions. It's really where I start any discovery session with a potential client is, are you passionate about what you do? Because if you are, I can do a lot with that. It's when I meet with somebody and they're like, I really want to sell this company in six months. I'm like, well, we could do some things for you, but there's not really the joy. I won't enjoy that. And you won't enjoy it either. Sure. So that being said, you know, how long has Siski Productions been around? Yeah. So we're in our sixth year. We've been around five and a half years. Okay. So my wife and I are owners, founders of it. My wife does a lot of our post-production and web design. I focused on the video and kind of the pre-production sales marketing side. And we actually met on a film set. And when we got engaged, we paired our two freelance companies at the time as a way to help pay for the wedding. Got some clients that we were doing both sides for. And when we got married, that work just continued. It didn't stop. And those clients referred to others. And so when we first got married, we were both working at other jobs. And we were coming home and working a full-time job for Siski Productions. So is that... Three jobs total, or is that four jobs total? That's because I'm, I'm having a hard time following that math there, real quick. That's a lot of jobs. <laughs> so it's just suffice it to say, we no, were. I completely respect the hustle. We were, no we were hustling at every opportunity. Every room in our house was an office for some company. And then six months after we got married, I got let go from the job I was at. And it was just a primed opportunity to say, well, let's see if Siski Productions. If we've proven with the work we've done so far that we can be a sustainable company, and we were, and within about six months of me going full-time, we had started uh, bringing my wife, Rachel, in pretty quickly to full-time. So it's been a really exciting ride. It's been a real joy to, one, be able to work with my wife in that capacity, but then two, like the number of stories that we've told and the companies we've been able to work with. It's just, I mean, it really is a privilege and a joy to know that those stories and those companies have been heard and seen in a way that they weren't before. That's awesome. Yeah. Five and a half years later. Yeah. And if, you know, people have asked me, you know, my company's been around 10 years, so we're a little bit older, which in my world, all that really means is my list of mistakes is dramatically (laughs) longer than yours. Yeah. But I always like, I think that mistakes are just opportunities, right? Wrapped up into a really ugly package, right? So with that being said, in the time you guys have been doing Siski, what's a standout mistake that has either been like in from a business perspective, or maybe like we were going to film this and this just went horribly wrong, but we've learned from it. So we now don't do that anymore. Yeah. So when we first started out, I was saying yes to anybody that put anything on the table for us. So if you Uh, could say video and show me some money, you were almost always going to say yes. And I also was offering photography services at the time as well. And so we said yes to a lot of clients that were underpaying us, treated us like crap when we were on set working for them, never were pleased and never were going to be pleased with the work. 
And I think the moment where I first said no to a client that asked me to work for them or made a pitch to me why I should work with them, I guess the moment I said, no, they're not the right fit for us, that was a defining moment for me. And that honestly, that took a couple of years to get into. That was probably end of year two, year three, where I finally said, like, for me to grow this business and be happy in this space, I've got to feel comfortable saying no to some clients that might come along. Not every opportunity is a good opportunity for you and your business. And for me, that was one of those moments where we had a client, it was a photography job, wake scope creep. I wish it was just scope creep. I mean, it was like, we started off with a scope and suddenly it turned into this. I was like, we're not even in the same industry anymore <laughs> that we started with. And so demanding. And a big credit to you, Jason, actually. One of our first conversations we had when we met together, I was I was sharing the situation and you were like, fire them. And I was like, what? How? And, and you kind of coached me through that. And I did like that week, I fired them. And I was like, so I mean, that's probably the answer to the question there. I guess I'm honored to have participated <laughs> in that mistake. It's not often I'm the hero of a mistake. So I, I guess I'll take it wherever I can get it, right? You didn't um, push me into the mistake. You pulled me out of it. So, so, so you won the day. So, but with that being said, though, I think you highlight an important thing, though. But I've always kind of thought about this from a couple different perspectives. When you're starting a business, you know, people look at businesses and entrepreneurs, and I feel like they think, well, he owns a business. They own a business. Just owning the business is successful. Yeah. And, and that's not the case. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of businesses, I mean, the statistics are there that quite yeah. a few businesses fail oh, yeah. when they start out. And part of it is because they never really identified the right clients to mm -hmm. work for in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think part of it also is, you know, you have to grit and grind out yeah. those jobs yeah. you don't really want. Because if you don't have the revenue to be able to say no, saying no becomes you know, honestly, it becomes detrimental. It yeah. could actually run you out of business. So if you're thinking about starting a business and you're listening to this podcast and you're saying to yourself, well, you know, if I don't like them in the first six days, I can just fire them. Yeah, no, I no, just no. don't want to let anybody off yeah. the hook. Like yeah. it's almost like, you know, basic training to get into the military. And that's probably a really bad analogy. Yeah. But you, you kind of have to go through the bad ones in order to one, have the cash flow but two, realize who the really good ones are. Yep. Because if you've never really had a bad client, yeah. then they're probably all bad clients because there's no way they're all good clients. Yes, you're spot on there, Jason. Like I think I am so glad for all of those bad clients that we had. And I would say even like the caveat of like me being a bad service provider to them, you know, because there's sometimes and, and thankfully some of those clients that we started with years ago have come back to us. And they've grown, we've grown, and the way that I'm able to work for them and provide for them is even better because I was still in that growth stage. And I, and I think sometimes we live in a culture that's so comparative and competitive in that comparison that when you're a small business owner, it's hard not to look at other, quote unquote, small business owners that you know found some moment where all of a sudden they're two years into the business but they're already at a million or two million and, and they're in the same industry as you. And so you got to be like, well, what am I doing wrong? And you can't do that. You know, if you are truly an entrepreneur, if you truly are a small business owner, then you have to have passion for the business you have and grow it for sure. But you can't spend all of your time as an owner looking at where other people have succeeded, where you're not there yet. So that draws a really interesting parallel to a previous guest 
on my podcast. And I had the distinct pleasure of having Mike McCallowitz. Oh, wonderful. The, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote the book, The Pumpkin Plan. He wrote the book, yeah. uh, Profit First. And when he spent a little time and we were chatting on similar topics, you know, he pointed out a very interesting point that a lot of business owners will look at something like revenue, but not realize that revenue isn't exactly a measurement of health. Yep. Right. And that's, I think, just a perfect parallel because in our discussions, you know, it was about how profitable is your business? Mm-hmm. How healthy is your business? Mm-hmm. Like, how is your cash flow? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, I unfortunately know a business in town that was, you know, I thought by every measure doing really well. They picked up a client, they did a big job for them, and unfortunately didn't get paid because the client was not a healthy business. Yeah. But they couldn't overcome the deficit that that one bad non-paying client yeah. caused them. And that business is no longer with us. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of scary. I mean, most recently, look at Earth Fair. Yeah. Earth Fair is a company that was around for 45 years. They yeah. opened a brand new store here locally. And for those listening that might not know what Earth Fair is, Earth Fair was an organic chain of grocery stores that were predominantly in the Southeast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But they had a lot of stores. They were a big presence. And from one day to the next, they went from all stores being open to we're closing you know, up, go to for sale signs, come and buy the shelves. Yeah. All because they couldn't restructure their debt. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, some of the stuff you're seeing, you need to focus on your business and the health of your business, right? Yeah. The measures within your business that matter. Yeah. Profit margin. Am I making money on these deals? Yeah. If I'm not making money and able to pay my taxes and do what I need to do, then what am I really doing here? Yeah. I think one of the things that for us that has made us get to five and a half years and which will keep us to 20 or 25 or however long this company is is supposed to be is very early on, I knew that I didn't know enough and that I didn't understand enough about the business world. And I wanted to be around people that understood business and some of the dynamics of business a little more. I knew video, I knew storytelling, I knew how to relate to people and pull their stories out, but there was a lot that I didn't understand. And I didn't want to pretend that I knew those things. And so very early on, I was reaching out to some of our old family friends, making some new colleagues, getting committed into some networking groups where, sure, I was presenting what I knew, but I was grabbing as much information from other businesses, other leaders, as I could and just soaking it in. And I know for a fact that not only that attitude helped us navigate through some of those tough times of of us growing and figuring out what some of those revenue, profit margins, sales, those things are, but also that attitude helped, but also those people then were able to protect us from some of those decisions too. And so, I mean, if I'm thinking about a small business and I'm only five and a half years into this journey, but I do have the opportunity to talk with some people that are just starting out and some startup. We do a fair amount of work for startups. And some of those conversations we have, it's I worry for those leaders that are not willing to surround themselves with or actively pursuing those types of mentorship or at least knowledge mentors, because no matter how much you know, as a small business owner, there's a lot you don't. And if you're not willing to admit that, you're on a real short road here, you know? I mean, that's my opinion, but what I've seen from the people I've worked with and the companies that are 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, regardless of the industry, 
those are people and leaders that have spent the time to learn and spent the time to accept that they make mistakes and work through those mistakes. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it's absolutely one of those things where you have to grind out. But once you grind out, it pays for itself in, in knowledge and it pays for itself in experience. And most importantly, some of the toughest lessons are the ones you don't repeat, but yeah. they become big opportunities. Yeah. So we talked about a mistake that stood out, yeah. which is usually either one of the more light parts of the podcast, or it could be one of the heavier parts. Sure. But what I also like to do is counterbalance that sure. with, you know, what are one of your standout successes? So in five and a half years, we all have this like one project or one client or one thing we did that, you know, just kind of stands out as work we're exceptionally proud of. And is there something that stands out to you in that way? Yeah. So I'll answer that question two ways. One would be a project we did, and then one was a relationship that we nurtured. To answer that relationship question, very early on, my wife actually was working for an agency, a real small agency here in Jacksonville, at the time, a small agency in Jacksonville. And she and the owner were wearing every hat together. And as we started growing, we didn't want to pull her away from that. One, because it was a good relationship, but also... The owner was, was just an exceptional leader, a really honorable guy. He took care of us when we were in some tough spots. And so we committed to that relationship. And five and a half years later, they're still one of our largest clients. And that relationship has grown so strongly. And so even though we were growing, we didn't want to neglect those relationships we had when we first started. Our first client is still an active client of ours today. And I think it's because we committed to those relationships and spending time with that. And honestly, sometimes being honest, hey, we don't know what we're doing. We're going to figure it out, though, and solve it. That's the win, I think, is that key relationship. And then the project we just did last year, there's an international relief organization that brought us over to Slovenia to their annual conference. They are a European-based organization. I was going to say, thank goodness, because yeah. for those of us who are geographically challenged, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where in the world is Slovenia? <laughs> yeah, it's on the Adriatic Sea okay. in Europe, kind of the back of the boot of Italy. And they brought us over there to film a conference and capture creative vision video for them, not only to inspire their current staff, which is in the hundreds in about 25 countries across Europe, but also as they're looking to recruit more people to help them and support them donors, as well as boots on the ground type of people. And so it was a really interesting project because we were able to go there and spend about a week with them, visit with their leadership, visit with some of their staff and their key employees, and really just learn. And we did a lot of interviews. We did you know a lot of different types of footage. And then come back and take all of that and say, after spending a week with them, how do we understand them? How do we feel about them? How do they communicate how they feel about the work they do and then take all of that and put it into a three minute video that they've then now released and it's already generating massive response for them already accomplishing what we hoped it to and exceeding those expectations too and that conversation that led us to that opportunity started with an old family friend of ours who was visiting and every time he visits he's just a very interesting guy so every time he visits i'm always like Let's have dinner, let's have coffee. And we sat down and started talking and we didn't even have paper. He pulled a napkin out and said, what would it look like if we answered these five questions that my team has such a hard time telling people? I said, well, here's how I would answer it. And that napkin led to another conversation, led to another. And within a month and a half of that conversation, we were 
in Slovenia filming them, which is just crazy, you know. From Jacksonville to Slovenia. Yeah. That actually is crazy. Yeah. So the organization that you mentioned, right, is faith-based, right? And I've known you for a while, and I know faith plays a strong part in your business and your life and everything else. So, you know, as a business that's grounded in faith, which I also think is very important, you know, how do you incorporate that in your business? You know, I feel like in this day and age, and especially in society now, we're, we're very reactionary. Sure. Like, you know, I laugh and sometimes giggle at like hashtag triggered sure. right, and stuff like that. Because I think, you know, we, we take ourselves a little too seriously sometimes. Yeah. And we don't take some issues serious enough. Yeah. But I still think it's important to put focus on things like that yeah. because they matter to you as a core person. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a really great question, Jason, and I appreciate you asking it. I mean, to me, there's no separation between my faith in God and the success of our business to date. I mean, some people could look at what we've accomplished and what we've had and say, like, okay, Andrew, that's that's hard work. That's, you know, you showing up these places. And I look at it and say, it's all God, divine opportunities, and those things. Like, there's no reason in my mind that I can explain why someone would answer the call and that moment is exactly when they're thinking about video or that exact moment is when the timings are too perfect for me to say like, that's me. And so faith is the core of what we do and how we do it. I also think because of that, I am a very empathetic person and compassionate. And so when I'm meeting with a client and talking with them, I want their story to be heard. I want them to feel that same joy and peace in their company and what they've done and and who they are as a person and the work that they do. I want those things to be combined. And I think my faith and my work and my personal faith has allowed me to do that even better. To your question though, of like, do I ever shrink back? Do I ever try and separate those? I don't. And I've never had that be an issue. I mean, we do work with a fair number of faith-based companies. We also work with a lot of people that aren't. And, And I don't think anyone has ever, to my knowledge, been concerned about that. Or even you know, concern may not be the right phrase, you know. I mean, where it might have played on their decision making. Yeah, I, I don't see that being something, and I, I honestly think I would do less quality work if I were to try to hide that part of myself. If I were to say, Andrew, this is who I am. This is my core faith outside of work hours and on Saturday, Sunday, but at work I'm this way. I wouldn't do my clients the service that I could. I would be living in a dichotomy myself, and you can't succeed long in that space. I agree. And I think that you can't put a price tag on being genuine. Right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. So one of the things that we, because we're at like 25 minutes sure. right now. Yeah. One of the things I always tend to close with is a marketing slanted question. Great. I mean, it, it is one of the areas we play in search engine optimization being our specialty, Yeah. but that is just a subset of marketing, right? Yeah. So on that note, in your business, what have you seen as a channel or potentially a tactic or something that you've used. And I'm going to kind of restrict you a little bit. You can't say video. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't say video. But how you used it or a way that our listeners could take away a valuable lesson you learned and apply it in their business, right, and use it to their advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the fastest way to answer that question is something you said a moment ago of, of genuine. And so for me, the face-to-face interaction and pursuing those face-to-face moments whether that's a coffee, whether that's a lunch, whether it's going to networking events, that has been the key to us growing our business. Even when it's a referral partner or a strategic partner, when I'm face-to-face with them and they can understand who I am and I get a chance to be goofy, be silly, be serious around them, be honest and authentic, 
that has generated more business for us than any of the marketing dollars that we've spent trying to promote a video or or trying to pay any of those paid things. And it's interesting because like you would assume like a video company, video would be what generates the most for us. And it's not. And it's because my market is very saturated, similar for you. It's a very saturated market. The sure. reason they choose you is because they trust you. The reason they choose me is because they trust me. Sometimes that takes six months, a year, two years of somebody seeing me in a genuine, consistent way without overselling them before they're ready to make a move. And that's happened. I mean, we're working with a client right now that three and a half years ago, we met at a networking event and it was two and a half years before they reached out and they said, we need video and you're the only person we've ever met that's talked about video that we want to work with. So here's money and let's get going. I was like, well, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, there's value in sticking to it, right? So yes. when we met last time and we had lunch and we were talking about stuff, I shared a frustration I had where things just weren't gelling for uh, onboarding a particular client. Yeah. Payment processing wasn't working right. Yeah. The credit card was getting declined because the address didn't match. And it seemed to be challenge after challenge after challenge. We got them onboarded and I actually took a look back and what I found startled me. This person actually reached out to me in 2014. Wow. Originally, we had put together a contract. We talked about it. We got all the way to the point where we were ready to get started and they just weren't ready yet. Yeah. And they decided they want to try a different avenue. And they came back to us in 2020. That's six years later. Yeah. So when people talk amazing. about like, you know, funnels and nurturing and being there. There's something to be said about, you know, about sticking around and keeping the message authentic, yeah, genuine and on point. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's what we all hope, at least in my business, I strive to be that not even memorable. I feel like that's kind of cheapening the word, but like that honorable in my interactions that six years later, the only person that can think of in that moment is me, you know, and I think that says a lot about you and your business. And that relationship that you cared for in that time six years ago, that now that it's time, they're not even shopping it around. That's great. That's awesome. Well, and on that note, sticking to our commitments, we keep these to right around 30 minutes. So, Andrew, thank you for joining thank me today you, on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Fascinating hearing your story. And it's just wonderful to be able to share it. So all the stuff I know, I now get to share with everybody who's listening to this podcast, which is fantastic. So that's it. And thank you for joining us in another episode of the Small Business Leader Podcast, where you hear from small business leaders that lead, innovate, inspire, and lift the global economy every day. Stay tuned and come back for our next episode.